Welcome, everyone, to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is the Attack on Titan special event. In honor of the epic conclusion to the show that defines this generation of anime, we're reviewing every single episode of the final season. This week, we're reviewing episode 81, Thaw. As always, there'll be spoilers about anything that's happened in the Attack on Titan anime, so you've been warned. I'm really hyper. I ate a lot of chocolate ice cream. <laughs> yeah. You could tell while we were re-watching this episode because you pronounced the title as Ta. <laughs> Ta. As in like a like a Filipino accent uh, and uh, trying to pronounce the name. Well, I love ice cream, especially chocolate ice cream, but it also has a lot of sugar. So I'm like a five-year-old on a sugar high right now. Although it's the brand Kado, which is like a avocado-based ice cream. Yeah, so it's non-dairy. Not, I'm not vegan or anything, but I just thought it was cool to have an avocado-based ice cream. So I gave it a try. It's great. It tastes just like ice cream. It does. And it's not like overly sweet, but it must have a lot of sugar because here I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, but before we dive into things, uh, we want to make a very important, noteworthy, small announcement, I guess. I don't know. That was kind of contradictory. But next week, our Attack on Titan special episode for next week will be delayed by one day. It will be coming out Thursday February 24th instead of the normal Wednesday release. The reason for this is that we are actually traveling to Vegas this weekend for an extended trip, extended weekend, um, visiting family we haven't seen in, in quite some time. Yeah, so as uh, Nicolo said in this episode, we kind of have to get out of the forest. Uh, that forest in our context being the wintry Chicago weather. So hopefully Vegas will be a lot nicer in terms of temperature and of course it'll be nice to see some family that we haven't seen for a while so yeah thank you everyone for being patient with us and understanding the uh, the slight delay that will be next week's attack on titan episode again it will be releasing on thursday february 24th instead of the normal wednesday so just you know just about 24 hours or so delayed um but we promise it'll be another great discussion and we hope that you'll you'll tune in as always as a reminder, we are still looking for a few additional Spotify reviews. We are actually at 46 as of this recording, so Ooh. we're just a few away from hitting 50. We'd love to hit 50 Spotify ratings. Um, again, this is very, very helpful for us. Um, I think it it helps when people visit Strictly Anime for the first time to kind of get a feel for you know the type of podcast that we are and if we're worth listening to. So thank you to all 46 of you who have left us um, a, a great rating on Spotify. If you're listening, listening to this on Spotify right now, super easy. Just go to the Strictly Anime podcast page. You'll see a little star there. Tap that. Leave a rating and help us reach 50 Spotify ratings. We'd very much appreciate it. And last, but certainly not least, before we get into, you know, Attack on Titan things, I promised that I would share an update on the PowerPoint party that we had last All right. week. <laughs> so last week I did share that um, my friends were doing a Valentine's Day slash one of their birthday get-together type of things, and the, the party was a a PowerPoint party, which, as you can assume, everyone created a PowerPoint and gave a short presentation about any topic, really. And my friends who all don't watch anime wanted me to give a presentation on anime. Um, if you want to hear the details about my PowerPoint, that's in last week's Attack on Titan review episode. 
But after the party, I thought I'd share some of the other PowerPoints that they had. Um, so one of them was comparing our friends to different character, not tropes, um, archetypes. And I fell in the rebels category. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Another one was uh, our friend's favorite romance novels, what she what what novels she thought would apply to each person. Yeah. And so for me, it was a novel called Swoon. And the reason being is that the the male character at the end of the story confesses his love for the female character by singing her a song. And since we all went to college together, this reminded them of when Carl sang me a song when we were in college in front of everybody. And it was so nice, so, so (laughs) wonderful. So that was a a nice callback. Um, Another presentation was one of our friends shared all of her favorite things about each of our dogs. So she talked about Rigby and his nice butt, his nice corgi butt. Um, What else was there? Uh, Another one of our friends picked songs that made her feel some type of way. Those feelings being like, you know, emotional, happy, horny, you know, Whoa. the whole gambit. <laughs> Wait, so what song did she pick for you? No, they weren't applied not- to a friend. It's just general songs oh, from movies and, okay. and shows um, that made her feel some some kind of way. Another friend um, gave a presentation on DW from Arthur and why she's such a mood. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I don't, I've never seen, I mean, I know of Arthur, but I've never really watched Arthur, but I know there's some pretty funny memes about DW that that's kind of, that are out there in the meme yeah. world. <laughs> so I guess, yeah, that was a pretty funny one. I enjoyed that one. I would love to have seen that presentation because I, I, I grew up watching Arthur and I know right now, I think this year um, it'll be in its final season. So another thing that's wrapping up in 2022 alongside attack on titan (laughs) two very opposite shows attack (laughs) on titan and arthur and then i think uh let's see what else another one was if uh all of our friends had starter packs and my starter pack was um a nintendo switch and all all black clothing and uh right (laughs) and being the first to get very drunk and black oh that sounds about right (laughs) so yeah those were some of the the other powerpoints as far as mine went i thought they they really enjoyed it i think good because of the gifts and images that i chose and the shows that i chose i think they were pleasantly surprised by the range of anime they didn't realize that there were so many different categories they probably just figured that like it's it's just stuff it's like Pokemon, like, yeah. and Sailor Moon, <laughs> and they actually asked me. They're like, "So, is Pokemon considered anime?" And I'm like, "Yes, yes, it is." And they're like, "What about Yu-Gi-Oh or mm-hmm. Sailor Moon or Hamtaro?" I'm like, "Yes, all of that is considered anime." And then they were like, "What is the difference between a cartoon and an anime?" And I pretty much boiled it down to the fact that anime is created f- in Japan by a Japanese studio, um, but there are other branches of it that are similar but are not technically anime like manhwa the stuff from you know coming out of korea and china well manhwa refers more to the lit or like the the comic like the manga right? equivalent oh then what's the word i can't remember the word for the anime equivalent yeah i don't know either i mean anime like the literal translation is just animation so i think if you boil it down anime is just animation made in japan <laughs> yeah that's that's the simplest way to to explain it and then another friend asked um what the porn version of anime was called and i Ooh. said hentai because she, she knew of it but she's like what's the word again for the porn version of anime i'm like 
it's hentai and i prefaced it you know if, if you go and google hentai just be be ready for some pretty crazy things to pop up and then uh, i i was able to teach them the uh, difference between a harem and a reverse harem. <laughs> Perfect. So it was great. It was very well received. Several of them said that they were going to uh, watch the shows that I recommended for them based on the type of person that they are. Which the one friend that you uh, personified with romance, I think they were asking about Clannad. No, okay, so they were asking about Horimiya. Okay. Yeah, I recommended uh, for the romance category, it was Horimiya and Oregairu. And they were asking about Horimiya, um, and they were asking me if I if they should watch it subbed or dubbed. And I said truthfully, I almost always watch things subbed, so I can't vouch for the English dub. However, subs tend to have a like Japanese voice actors tend to evoke a broader range of emotion than English voice actors yeah, for I the most part. So in a romance, that's that's especially nice because of all of the the emotions that need to be conveyed in that type of anime oh wait you were categorizing clanad with the drama yes slice of life drama it is a romance too but i the way i categorize them to match each of my friends personalities and their their tastes um i did slice of life drama so did that friend talk to you at all about clanad yeah she wrote down clanad oh that's what happened it's like don't start with that i know (laughs) and fruits basket i think was the other one i put in that category Uh, but i told him like season one of clanad is very much a slow burn but you need it in order to fully appreciate season two of clanad and to really really get the feels to hit you hard so she's gonna watch that and then i think she also wants to watch Yona of the Dawn, which I, I hmm. put as the reverse harem. It's not entirely reverse harem-y, but there are some reverse harem elements to it, just like a little bit. But it's also a really good show, so I think that one's soft enough for her to start with. I, I'm nervous because none of them watch anime. They know like little to nothing about anime. So I wanted to recommend things that were truthful, but also like okay as entry level animation and you threw out clanad and i threw out which is like the 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 meme answer right but it it is really good like because she she cries to everything so i'm like perfect if there's one anime that'll get you to cry it's it's clanad the uh, another friend texted me asking because she was the sports category and i i said uh high q and how heavy are the dumbbells you lift I've never seen the dumbbell anime, but she was interested in watching that, and then she was interested in watching Haikyuu as well. Because I, I think you said she she used to play volleyball, or yeah, um, back in college, uh, she was telling our group of friends that in high school, I think she was part of the of, of her high school's volleyball team. So I was certain that she would be particularly drawn to Haikyuu when you mentioned that in your presentation. So there you go. Um, hopefully she'll she'll enjoy Haikyuu. I feel like Haikyuu is entertaining and tame enough to be a great like entry-level anime. It's cool that your friends are open to watching anime. Um, my group of friends, I think they're still warming up to it, although two of them are watching Attack on Titan. Yeah. They're just waiting until the season is over because they like to watch in bulk or like binge watch it which i don't know how they do that but i think because they're not as in tune with the anime community they're less at risk of getting spoilers that's true um although i have one friend who i'm pretty sure he said he would be open to watching attack on titan if i were to watch with him so ck if you're listening to this (laughs) i'm gonna hold you to that because i think attack on titan is at least 
the anime for you to watch if you had no other anime that you wanted to watch. Yeah, I, I think the re rewatchability of Attack on Titan is probably the one of the highest of all anime, especially knowing what we know now, because then you can go back and rewatch and, and look out for some of these these hints that were dropped early on in the show. You just can't spoil it for him while mm-hmm. you're watching it yeah. together. But it'll be like, it's it's kind of like watching manga readers react to things that happen in the anime. Um, if I were to watch with him, I could just look at his reaction at those key moments. And I'm sure everyone knows all the what the fuck moments in Attack on Titan that happened, but watching his reaction and seeing if he's as like flabbergasted or smackledorfed as we were. But then you'll also have to hide your reaction when there's things that you that go over your head in the early seasons that you don't realize until you get to like season three and season four. Although I feel like I have a better poker face than, than me. You. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I have a hard time containing my excitement when those things come up. Me, I would just I would just like nod very slowly, like, oh. But you would oh. probably <laughs> just feel like point at the screen. <laughs> Jaw <with> dropped. Like, <laughs> yeah. I know I get really excited when, when something blows my mind in an anime, but that's a perfect segue into Attack on Titan. Let's talk a little bit about the previous episode because we have a couple, as always, we have a couple of clarifying things or follow-up things from our last discussion. Um, do you want me to start or do you want to start? Because I know we each have like one. Yeah, uh, I think in the previous episode, I can start. Um, there is just something I wanted to clarify. I believe you and I were talking about whether Levi and Mikasa had ever discussed with each other um, about their potential uh, relations. <laughs> their potential re- Hold on. That's, their, that's naughty. Hang on. Uh, could put, uh, I'm going to rephrase it because that's. I'm sure terrible. there's some Dojin artists out there who <laughs> yeah. made some pretty nasty things, but. <laughs> uh, the potential for the both of them to be relatives. And I think I said, I don't think that ever happened in the show, but I'd like to clarify that Courtney was correct. In season three, Levi did talk to Mikasa about the uh, Ackerman family um, because I believe Mikasa is Ackerman by blood on the paternal side, so her father's side. And this was uh, before they went to the Rice Chapel, I think, to rescue Aaron. There's a clip of it on YouTube. Uh, they didn't really specifically talk about whether they're related or not, just more so the power that the Ackermans are known for um, that kind of awakens them inside of them and, and gives them like the agility and the strength that we see in the show. Um, so they related to each other on that note, but not really on like, is your dad my uncle? <laughs> yeah, I kind of wish I I like the way the conversation unfolded, especially rewatching it. But I also like part of me also wishes that they dive into this more at some point because I think Levi and Mikasa don't really have like a a, a strong relationship. Mm-hmm. Like I would say, Levi's obviously much closer with Aaron, even though he doesn't want to appear close to anybody, or he's much closer with Hanj or Erwin. But like Levi and Mikasa are just in the room together. Like they're the two type of people who are in the room together because they know somebody in common. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's just cool to think that in some way, shape, or form, through their family trees, they're probably tied at some point through you know one or two or three people down the line um so it was cool watching them kind of just talk about the latent Ackerman power that just like activated for each of them at one point but they didn't really go beyond that 
and so part of me is like, okay, they're both like the coup d'etat type. So maybe that's really not something that they would get all excited about and want to explore. But then part of me is like, I want them to because I think it'd be a really interesting conversation for them to have. Mm -hmm. But we'll drop that uh, the link to the YouTube clip in the Discord so that you guys can see that as well. Um, see the, the exact scene that we're referring to. And speaking of the Discord, in our Attack on Titan channel, where we're having our, our AOT chats, um, Dr. Stein123 said, I'm listening to the podcast episode uh, on the latest episode, previous episode uh, 80, about how Emir died from just that simple wound. I remember Falco saying something in the first half of season four when trying to wake up Reiner that the Titan power will heal you, but only if you continue to have the will to live. So that's a great mm. point that I didn't think about. And that's kind of what happened there because Emir got stabbed to the chest. The king, King Fritz is like, I know that's not going to be deadly enough to kill you. And she's looking at him and then she's just like, fuck you and closes <laughs> her eyes and dies. So I think she just gave up living at that point because he was such an ass and I don't blame her. But she did kind of leave her kids to to King Fritz and his crazy ways. So it's OK if Reiner wants to do the same, although he's still stuck in that limbo. <laughs> I know the guy just wants to die. But like, does he just want to die? Who knows at this point? Yeah, thank you, Dr. Stein, for, for uh, mentioning that because that's that's a really great point. It did seem very – Ymir's death in the uh, flashbacks from the previous episode did seem very intentional. Like why was she looking at him for so long? Mm -hmm. And then after he once again berates her, she just decides to close her eyes and move on. Yeah, I think that's what I said. Like she was doing it – she chose to do that of her own accord. Yeah, absolutely. And overall, I just, just want to say that the Discord chat um, on Attack on Titan has been – great to read through um, and to respond to a lot of users theories and things they noticed um, I know we've talked about the evolution of the nine titan shifters which was something that was kind of not really explored in the previous episode episode 80 um, and I think I wrote that well, maybe there'll be an OVA that kind of explains the lore of Eldian history um, in more detail uh, I know some users were pointing out the actors that played each of the nine Titans in Willie Tiber's play, and we were trying to decipher which actor was representing which Titan. Um, someone mentioned Aaron being the only founding Titan wielder in history that isn't brainwashed, although I think technically you could say he brainwashed himself. <laughs> I guess Grisha also. Well, Grisha was kind of brainwashed by Aaron when he oh, okay that's right. fair yeah, i thought you meant like by king fritz like carl fritz and the vow renouncing war yeah well i think previous founding titan wielders that's what was brainwashing them here it's grisha he had the founding titan power but he was brainwashed by aaron and you could say aaron was brainwashing himself by seeing into the future and kind yeah. of locking into that future so that was a very inter interesting discussion and, you know, just, of course, all the, the memes that we're sharing are, are been great. Yeah, I love the Annie memes. Those are good. <laughs> so if you are interested, I highly recommend that you join our Discord. Uh, invites should be in the show notes. And you can join in on these fun conversations as we continue to theorize and discuss the final season of Attack on Titan. So moving on to this episode, 81, Thaw, what were your overall thoughts? What were your takeaways? I guess... You could call this a breather episode, although by Attack on Titan standards, I feel like a breather is more like when you try to catch your breath after running a 5K. 
Yeah, a breather's <laughs> not much of a breather. It's like a quick gasp. That's all you get. But it's still still technically a breather. Yeah. So there's not a lot of like wild reveals or big brain thinking in this episode. It's more dealing with the aftermath of Aaron starting the rumbling. Um, and you get a lot of redemption arcs and kind of like full circle moments in this episode, which were nice. And I think you get a nod to a lot of Attack on Titan action sequences of old, especially with um, the scouts and with the Levi squad and the Jaegerists all taking down the last of Zeke's pure titans. Yeah, if, if there's one thing I enjoyed the most about this episode, it's the feeling we got being taken back to season one Attack on Titan. Mm -hmm. Like full stop, that was the best part of this episode. It's just the nostalgia of taking us back to, when did it air? Like 2013 or something? Yeah. It, it was fantastic. Um, and I, I also really appreciated the way MAPPA tried to keep that feeling that we got when it was in Wit Studios' hands. Um, because time and time again, whenever there's flashbacks, they except for a few scenes, which understandably needed to be redrawn for, um, for a more cohesive look because they were prominent in certain episodes. But for the most part, any flashbacks, including the, the flashbacks um, for Pixies in this episode, they kept the original wit mm -hmm. um, animation, the, the original wit uh, scenes. And I just, I, I just love that so much because in this day and age, I feel like companies are so competitive that they wouldn't want to pay respects to like a previous studio that worked on something but here i think they really are showing their appreciation and um acknowledging what came before them because wit studio set up such a fantastic attack on titan and that's the only reason mop is able to have it nowadays you know it kind of reminds me of like spider-man no way home and yeah. no spoilers are now rampant on the internet about that, but I won't say any more. But that's another example of like uh, things now paying homage to things that came before. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it overall was a just a fun episode, much more focused on the action that we've kind of been lacking in MAPPA just because they're revealing so much about Attack on Titan. So understandably, a lot of these episodes are more exposition or world building or lore heavy. But mm -hmm. it is nice, again, to your point, to have that breather where we can just enjoy some some Titan some on human. splatter. <laughs> yeah, human versus Titan action, and it, it was great. And with that, let's go ahead and jump into our synopsis and discussion for Attack on Titan, the final season, episode 81, Thaw. As Aaron Jaegermonster and his wall Titan cohort embark on their rumbling road trip, the remnants of Levi squad slash scouts slash cadets slash Jaegerists slash anyone who still has a fucking pulse at this point are left as the cleanup crew to deal with Zekus Christ's pure titans, which still run rampant throughout Shigan's Shonen Jump district, unaffected by Eren's keyboard command. Though Connie absconds with an unconscious Falco in order to feed him to his titan mother in his hometown of Ragakuten, Mikasa, Armin, Johnny Boy, and Potato Sergeant take command in calling their cacophony of comrades to quell the Kyojin contamination, even if that means propelling the poor and pitiful Pikushisu to a proper paradise. On street level, a gravely injured Deathwish Reiner takes Gung-Ho Gabby to safety before he decides once again to give up and takes a power nap. Gabby leaves her deadweight cousin behind in search of Falco and inadvertently saves Kaya from Niles' Titan form, when the latter is separated from Chef Nicolo and the Browse family 
and briefly envisions Potato Girl as her saving grace. The two decide, we cool now, and Gung-Ho Gabby once again redeems herself, though all that means to me personally is that she's been promoted from pile of shit to piece of shit. All scattered groups meet together, including that fuckboy Waka Flocka and that fuck-faced Yelena, as the former, ever the auburn-haired asshat, decides to detain the latter along with the anti-Marlian volunteers. Elsewhere, Gabby pleads with Armin for Falco's life and asks him to talk some sense into Eren to cancel his rumbling road trip, revealing that the doomsday event has prevented Reiner from getting rock hard anymore. A light bulb then goes off in Armin's big brain as he realizes Eren must have caused all other rock hard titan material to go limp as well, including that of a crystal encasing that of a character who has been in that of a hibernation since season one, which prompts me to ask, Annie, are you okay? Annie, are you okay? Are you okay, Annie? <laughs> I've been waiting to use that. <laughs> uh, so the beginning of the episode is essentially a, a recap of Aaron's um, conference call when he ats everyone. <laughs> I still love those memes. Those memes are still out there. They're still coming of just like somebody sitting there and all of a sudden... It's uh, it's Aaron Yeager on the phone. The one that I saw recently. Did someone post it in our Discord? I can't remember. Um, it was that meme from Friends of Joey. I posted it, I think. Oh, did you in the Discord? I might have shared it with our friend. I don't know if I shared it. Okay, in if the it's Discord. not in the Discord, we'll put it in the Discord Attack on Titan channel. Um, but yeah, it's it's of Joey from Friends, the one where he's just like <laughs> sitting at the table smiling, and the next frame is like him bug eyed, like he just realized something. But it's him being pulled into pads, and he hears, "My name is Aaron Yeager." It's so funny. <laughs> and I think someone there's a meme that points out the baby that's just sitting on the ground, and they're like, "What the fuck, did this baby do?" <laughs> <laughs> it was just Eldian, so got roped in with everyone else and rewatching this recap it kind of made me think how can the colossals cross the sea because if it's a sea as in like a normal earth type sea it's got to be fucking deep way deeper than like the height of the colossal so do they just swim or do they just walk on the sea floor all the way across to the other side and come up out of the water i want to see how this is going to be animated i feel like they're just going to walk straight through because nothing's going to stop Colossal. Or like Nothing's going to stop Titans except getting attacked at their nape. Right? And I, I figure they probably don't need oxygen, right? They don't right. function the same way as humans do because when they eat humans, they just, like, they don't just get digested. inside them, yeah. Yeah, so I, I would imagine they don't need to breathe either. But I'm just wondering, like, are they going to try and convince us that the sea is not that deep? by having the, the the colossals have their heads above water as they cross it? Or are they like actually going to go... Like if anyone saw Pirates of the Caribbean where the fucking skeleton dudes are actually walking on the floor of the sea, but obviously like they're way deep underwater, is that what it's going to be like with the colossal titans and they just kind of emerge on the shores of Marley? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just... <laughs> I, I'm curious. I don't know. It's just something I thought about. I'm like, I want to see how they actually animate this. It makes you wonder like how long it's going to take for them to reach Marley because there's obviously uh, resistance in water. Yeah. They're going to slow down on... <laughs> Like a lot, basically. <laughs> You're gonna have to make a pit stop, Aaron. Uh, and then we also looked into the heights of the Wall Titans. Um, according to the AOT anime wiki, uh, I did confirm that they're about 60 feet. So that's the same height as Armin's Colossal Titan. But I would figure they're smaller because yeah. Bertolt's Colossal Titan looked up over the wall when he in season one when he kicked the doorway in. Well, he was actually 
leaning on the wall. So was he not touching the ground? Was he like like clung to the wall? He was kind of just lying on the ground and yeah, clinging to the wall. Because if he's if he's on the ground, if his feet are on the ground and at standing height, he's looking up over oh, the wall. Wait, yeah. But the colossal titans are technically just short of the top of the wall because they need to be covered by the wall. Does that make sense? Yeah. Then then at least Bertolt's colossal titan had to be much taller than the wall colossal titans. Yeah. That's true. So, so I guess I mean maybe a... maybe Armin has a smaller colossal because I mean Bertolt was taller than Armin and I figure right? the colossal titan there has to be a standard size for all of them. Otherwise For they... the wall ones, I I would imagine. Or otherwise like the colossal titan wouldn't be called colossal. Yeah, like it's bigger than the rest of the titans, but between different colossal titans it seems like they can vary in size. Kind of like how the cart titan looks different depending mm. on the wielder um or the jaw titan rather. Yeah. Or even the Beast Titan. The Beast Titan was like a bunch of different fucking animals, apparently. Oh, yeah. That's true. Although we haven't seen that in visual form yet. Except for that one opening. That one opening oh, that had a the, bunch of animals running in and we all looked around like, what the like fuck is this? Alligators or whatever. <laughs> it's like a dinosaur or some shit. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? I mean, now we know what it is. but. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so we looked up the heights, again, ranging around 60, 60 meters, uh, which I think is about 200 feet. And then I looked up, like, how deep is the ocean, just to kind of give context to, like, what the wall titans have to wade through. It's 12,000 feet. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if uh, the world that contains Paradise and Marley, if it's not as shallow. But either way, like, those wall titans are going to have to wade through a lot of water. It'll buy everyone on Paradise a little bit of time. It'll buy everyone in the world a little bit of time. Yeah. So then we find out that um, we get that shot of Reiner's armored Titan, but without the armor on it. And it looks kind of pathetic. I'm not going to lie. And then Reiner and Gabby are running away. And Reiner says that Falco was likely taken by Jean and Connie. And I just forgot that Reiner knows the scouts like personally. Sometimes because he's been on the Marley side the entire season, sometimes I forget that like they spent two and a half seasons together as scouts. So when he just said so casually, yeah, they, like John and Connie probably took him. I was like, oh shit, that's right. He knows them personally. I, I forget yeah. that all the time now. And I think they were the closest to Aaron and Falco where they were um, right before the rumbling started. Yeah, they were like right over where Falco was, right? Like they were just passing over him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that would make sense. Um, and it is a smart move to kidnap Falco, not going to lie. I, I would agree with that move. I also forgot that Reiner and Gabby are cousins until they get into that little house and Gabby calls his mom Aunt Karina. Karina? Karina? Karina, yeah. And I was like, yeah, that that I forgot about too. That makes sense. And then um, Gabby tries to convince Reiner to go with her to help Falco. And I'm like, Gabby, there's no point in trying to convince this guy because he just wants to die. Yeah, like, you're not going to convince this dude. He just wants to die. <laughs> Reiner's just back at what he does or doing what he does best. And that's just give up. Giving up. Oh. I don't know why I just thought of this, but do you remember in part one when Gabby and Falco get to the Browse stables and Gabby recognizes uh, Mr. Browse's accent as Southern Marleyan? Ooh, yeah, I remember that. I wonder if that's ever going to come up again. Southern Marley, yeah. Now I'm thinking about that. Wait, that's a good point. And I'm just noticing the similarity in the last name, Brown, Broth, unless, like, 
if Mr. Browse is Marlin and he just changed or was from Marley and changed his last name out of fear. I don't know. By changing one letter. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but no, I mean, that that's a good point because when we were first introduced to Gabby and especially when they were leading up to Sasha's assassination, because um, I remember that scene of Gabby and Sasha looking at each other over like the, the street when Sasha was on the roof and Gabby mm-hmm. was on the ground. Um, and we all thought like, shit, are they looking at each other because like they could be related? They look very similar. And here, Kaya yeah. looks at Gabby after being rescued by her and sees almost like a spitting image of Sasha in that moment, um, which we'll talk about. But that there could be some some connection there. Although, yeah, I, although that would mean then that Reiner is also related to Sasha, which is kind of weird to think. Oh, yeah. Like extended family at that point. Probably. Depending on how, if Gabby and Sasha are related, depending on how they would be related. But yeah, that that's a good point. I completely forgot about that. And it could be another question that we just never get answered. But I feel like in Attack on Titan, as we always say, no bit of dialogue is ever wasted. So why Gabby brought that up has to come full circle at some point. Yeah. There's six episodes left, so you never we'll know. We'll see. <laughs> Um, and then in terms of parallels, we get the mirror scene where Gabby is putting her hair her hair back up, and it looks identical to the mirror scene with Aaron in the prison mm-hmm. when he's like, tatakae. That's all that was missing was a tatakae. I know. I half expected her to say that, like just pumping herself up, because she did pump herself up, but she said something about like getting Falco back. I'm like, you just, just say tatakae at this point. Just say it. <laughs> but yeah, the parallels were definitely there, and I, I know this is a constant argument about Gabby that people who are not anti-Gabby say, how can you dislike Gabby when she's basically season one Aaron? We've talked extensively about that in our um, one of our review episodes, or probably a couple from the first. A lot. <laughs> yeah, from the first part of season one. Um, so we won't, we won't uh, beat that dead horse anymore. But um, this is interesting that they bring up that, that mirror scene, I think just kind of reinforcing that there are parallels between Gabby and Aaron. But do you think they're different in the choices that they're making to save those that they care about? Um, Like right now or just yeah. in general? Or like right now. Yeah, because now Aaron feels more evil in his choices and Gabby feels more righteous. Where... It's almost like the they flipped personalities. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Maybe that's what the mirror scene represents is like they've both hit a certain point and now they're they're like going the opposite direction of the other one. What Like the, the, that the other one was. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like Aaron's pursuing destruction while Gabby's pursuing redemption. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. It's it's Gabby. You know, it is what it is. Um, So then we switch to the scene with um, Jean, Connie, Armin, and Mikasa. And I just, I love Jean and the character development that he's getting in this season. He doesn't show up a lot in season four, but what he does, there's some pretty striking moments. And this is one of those moments. So Jean grapples with the thought that, you know, once everyone beyond the walls dies, all the hate will end. But you can tell as he's rationalizing this and talking through it and trying to, like, just understand what Aaron's doing, you can tell it's not what he really wants. Mm-hmm. Like, the pain on his face and him asking, like, this is what we wanted, right? Like, this is the right thing to do, right? I, it's just that that's got to be so messed up to think about because... They're all struggling with the fact that Aaron is their friend. They all know him better than anybody because his immediate family is gone besides Zeke, but Zeke didn't grow up with him. Mm-hmm. So these are the people who know him best and they feel like they don't know him at all at this point. And plus with the 
anti-Marlian volunteers and the Marlian soldiers like Niccolo who have somewhat defected to Paradis, like they they now know the people on the other side of the sea. And I think they can surmise that not everyone is their enemy across the sea. Like there are still good people out there, but as the world was kind of bunching Eldians together, now Arian's kind of bunching the rest of the world together as as their enemy. Yeah. Yeah, and so to, like thinking about all of that, I think that that's pulling into why Jean is is conflicted about what you know if they're doing truly the right thing. But you can't have racism if there's only one race. Yeah, <laughs> that's that thinking guy. So. That thinking guy. Me. <laughs> um, but so this is one of those those character development moments I think for Jean because it, old Jean would immediately be like, "Fuck Aaron, he's crazy, he's awful." But here it's almost like he wants to believe in Aaron, but like he's still he's still conflicted on whether or not he can do so but he's trying right like he's trying to be rational trying to be calm about all of this as the fucking rumbling is happening around him (laughs) and all these people have died so i just think that him kind of containing himself in this moment is a big a big moment for him and on top of that jean of all people in this scene anyway makes the connection that aaron is doing all this to protect his friends and then we get that Mm -hmm. flashback to when Aaron said that no one is more important to him than his friends. And I noted this because John making this realization instead of Mikasa or Armin saying this to him signals, again, major character growth for my boy John because, you know, I love my Sunday boys. And it's just fun to see John and Aaron go from enemies in season one to rivals to comrades, to friends who are too proud to admit that they're friends kind of situation, uh, to basically Aaron going off doing his own thing and Jean not being against him, but really trying to understand Aaron to the best of his ability. So it's just fun watching them in season one versus season four. They have a very different relationship. Even though they can still be categorized as rivals, they have a very different relationship. Now I'm thinking more about that flashback to Aaron's line because the Levi squad, like Mikasa, John, Armin, at this point, they don't know what Aaron's intentions are, and they seem very evil. But, you know, this, for some reason, reminds me of a verse from the Bible. that <laughs> You've had a lot of Bible references yeah, with, with Attack on Titan, but I don't know there, there are some parallels. <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, like, my Catholic CCD days, oh my like, God. what I learned from those are coming back to me, but... Specifically, the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. So it makes me think that even though on the surface, I think I talked about this before, what Aaron's doing seems very evil. I think there's something there where he is actually doing something out of like a true love for parodies. And I don't know. Like... Just trying to interpret what he said in a positive way, despite the destruction that he's seemingly about to bring upon the world. Yeah, I think that's the feeling that the scouts, the remaining scouts all have as well. Like there's Mm -hmm. just something else here. Like trying to rationalize it. Yeah, because they know that protecting his friends and his loved ones has always been one of his top priorities. And Aaron did tell us in the last episode that he's this, or no, the two episodes ago, he's the same Aaron that he's always yeah. been. So I don't know. I still, I'm still sticking to to my theory. 
Um, but in this scene, Connie um, has a freak out, understandably so, and then leaves with Falco. And I just look at that that moment, and I think there are three scouts left. I mean, Connie's still there, right? Mm-hmm. But he's he's gone and done its own thing, and now we're down to three. Three from the original how many fucking scouts there were in season one. Like, it's, it's crazy yeah. <laughs> to think of. And don't get me wrong. Fingers crossed. I hope Connie comes back. Like, I don't want him to be gone. I want him to be back. So we're back up to four <laughs> scouts. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's just eerie because in this moment, Connie should be fighting alongside them. He should be flying around in his ODM gear, slicing up necks and, you know, bombing Titans and stuff with his comrades. But, you know, I, I don't entirely blame him for his decision to take Falco to feed to his mom, especially because... Is this the first time we're learning that he's been visiting his mom for the past four years? I think so. I would have just thought we saw her, I think that one episode, I don't know if it was season one or two, where she's just lying on the house. And then that was, I feel like Connie would have been too tormented by that site to want to visit her again. Yeah. And later in the episode, Armin, I think it's Armin or Mikasa, Armin, says that because she was unable to move, they were okay with leaving her there. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, it makes sense that he's been visiting her, but I don't think he's explicitly, or the show has explicitly told us that. If I'm wrong about that and someone knows, please let me know. Um. But I don't recall ever being told that in the show, that he's been visiting her. So that just makes it so incredibly sad that, like, he he's still longing to, to have his mom back, and this is an opportunity, technically. Please don't hurt best boy Falco. Don't do it. Yeah, and the other thing I was thinking about is even if Connie feeds Falco to his mother, won't she only live an additional 13 years? Yeah, but to Connie, that's 13 years that he can have back with his mom versus no years with his mom. Yeah, I also just took that as, you know, Connie doesn't always think the, oh that too yeah <laughs> connie's stupid as fuck but yeah. you know but he's again, passionate like about his yeah, family there's a sentimental reason here and you know i know emotion can sometimes cloud people's judgment yeah yeah um there's a moment towards the end of the episode but i'm actually going to bring it up now because it ties back into this exact um discussion so when armin tells gabby later in the episode that connie took falco to feed to his mom um who was turned into a titan four years ago Gabby collapses and says, I'm sorry, and has like this like major reaction. And I'm wondering, what is this in reference to? Why is she having such a freak out moment? Because she realizes that Connie's mom was impacted by this thing four years ago. Because I know Zeke, it was revealed that Zeke goes to Connie's town, uses it as like a test subject for his spinal fluid bomb or whatever. And that's why Connie's mom is turned into a Titan. But Gabby didn't have anything to do with that, right? So why would she have such a crazy reaction? I think it's in contrast to the the reaction she had when Kaya showed her and Falco where her mother was killed. Um, Which was also four years ago, right? Yeah. I think think around the, the same time period. And I think that's just meant to show more how Gabby has finally come to terms with the Eldians of parodies not being her enemies like they're just regular people like she is like she just feels guilty that she was a part of something a bigger something that did these things to their family members instead of rationalizing it like you people were evil and you deserved this it's her finally showing compassion Uh, okay yeah I see that because 
every moment before this, she would definitely have that no, reaction yeah, of like, no, it's bitch. your fault. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you had nothing to do with it, you apparently had everything to do with it in my mind. Like, yeah, that was always her reaction. Um, so that's that's a good point. Okay, that, that makes sense. Because I was like, man, why is she dropping to her knees and freaking out? And they do show a shot of Kaya, like her reaction. But I thought that's just because Kaya's mom also got eaten by a Titan four years ago. Yeah, and I think Kaya is also realizing in that moment how different Gabby is from the Gabby that was chewing, trying to chew her out back when they visited her, uh, her former home. Yeah. Well, speaking of Gabby and Kaya, that then leads into the next major um, scene in this this episode where the um, Browse family is being chased by none other than Niles not Titan. Niall. And um, Kaya, not paying attention, falls on the stairs. Gabby saves her. And it's just an interesting exchange because this is obviously a turning point for Gabby as a character, but also for her relationship with Kaya and mm -hmm. with Sasha's family. So she saves Kaya. And um, I just kept thinking, Gabby, dude, you killed Niall. He's got a wife and kid. Like, granted, I don't think there's any way to bring him back other than feeding him a, a titan like special titan power well, his head was blown straight I know. off so. i was like damn he's got a wife and kid and he did save falco by giving him back to you mm -hmm. it's just like so sad that it had to be niles titan of all titans that was chasing kaya and the it's browse just family like the knife slowly yeah turning like adding insult to injury back, yeah. and isayama likes to be particular about which titans kill which characters and a great example is dinah's titan eating carla in the first episode mm -hmm. of the show like, that's Grisha's first wife eating his second wife. I'm like, damn, dude. <laughs> but I also like how Isayama chose the character that was going to save Kaya because this is a very significant full circle moment where I think, like, like Kaya and Gabby have finally reconciled with each other. And it's just so ironic that Kaya sees Sasha as the person who saved her in this moment when it was actually Sasha's killer. Yeah, and I, I can see her, her kind of viewing Gabby as Sasha in that moment because she is calling out for Sasha because she's so scared. But I'm sorry, Gabby will never be Sasha. There There's no way. There's no <laughs> way. I would take Gabby becoming Aaron first before ever becoming Sasha. Like, she just, she'll never deserve the amazing title that is Potato Girl. Like, she just will never deserve that. Gabby but, won't. But do you think this was enough for Gabby to finally redeem herself? At least to us who are like the fuck Gabby crowd? <laughs> so, yes. To a certain degree. I think it's the start of her redemption. Like this mm. this episode was the true start of Gabby's redemption because she saves Kaya and the Browse family after they, they basically saved her and protected her. Um, and fine, you know, I, I don't like Gabby, but I'm okay if she has some sort of redemption arc. Although she has to also face the consequences of her actions. She has mm -hmm. gotten, like, yeah, shit's happened around her, but nothing's happened to her. It's like the stuff hap that happens around her is her actions causing other people problems. Like instead of Gabby suffering her consequences, it's like Falco has to suffer them on her behalf all mm -hmm. the fucking time. And I just want Gabby to have the actual suffering of her own consequences versus like just seeing it impact somebody else. That's the difference here. Like, yeah. I don't know, because it's just it's not satisfying. Yeah, I would say this is just like a, a stepping stone because there was one point before she shot Aaron Remember, they were in that shop with all the bird cages where she did come to the realization that the Eldians of Paradise are no different than the Eldians of Marley. 
then she shoots Aaron and gets back on our shit list. <laughs> and so, yeah, I guess this is kind of like, that was like her moving two steps back, but now this is like one step forward. So as long as she stays on this track, I think we can finally accept her as a as a character of strong morals. But just don't fuck up, Gabby. Yeah. <laughs> don't fuck up. I, I also enjoyed the conversation between Gabby and Kaya, which I think really honed in on, again, this redemption arc for the, the two of them, essentially. Because... Um, for the longest time, Gabby called and assumed Kaya to be a devil when Gab or, uh, Kaya has never killed anyone. But here Gabby admits and realizes that she's actually closer to being a devil than Kaya is because Gab Gabby actually has killed countless people. Like that's a, a big difference, right? You're you're pointing the finger at Kaya saying you're a devil just because of who you are. Um, and Kaya's like, well, actually, you've, you've murdered people. <laughs> I haven't done that. You've done that. You've murdered lots of people. But I think Kaya also mentions that she feels like she is also a devil to a lesser extent, of course, than Gabby, because Gabby or Kaya's never murdered anyone in cold blood. But I think that was a very strong thing to point out: is that no one's like truly devils, like a devil through and through. But everyone has a little bit of the devil inside of them. Yeah, and that, that's especially clear when Niccolo. Uh, chimes in and says you know i've done things that are wrong too essentially saying mm -hmm. that everyone has faults we need to get over it if we all want to survive and i'm pretty sure uh magath had said something similar to willie tiber remember when they were in the carriage uh um, oh yeah so that just reminds me of where the hell's magath but <laughs> i don't know if he survived this uh pure titan onslaught that's going on in the district well peak survived and he was on her back so all right who knows um one more thing about this, uh, Niccolo, he has to survive. If he mm -hmm. doesn't survive, I'll be very upset. I have never connected so quickly with a character in Attack on Titan before. Like he's only been here for like parts of season four and I love him so much. Like the fact that he is still continuously protecting the Browse family just purely out of his love for Sasha. I, I like, I need him to survive or I will be very upset. He's such a great character. Yeah, he. To put it in like real world context, Nicolo is basically a Nazi who is helping out Jews during the Holocaust. Like that's how significant his character development has been, and it's just so heartwarming to see that he continues to protect the Browse family because I think he had strong feelings for Sasha, and we, I hinted at why, like why Sasha and Nicolo were my favorite ship in anime and our regular strictly anime episode our valentine's day episode yeah <laughs> for for this very reason so best boy nicolo right yeah falco and nicolo protect them at all costs <laughs> although connie i don't know he may be throwing us for a loop yeah one more thing about this scene and this is really stupid i feel like i always have a stupid comment in our strictly episodes with like whether it be anime or jojo this one is particularly with a YouTube video that I saw from a channel called Monkey Trouble, and they've been killing it because they kind of do what I do with my AOT spoilers without context on Twitter, where I take screenshots from SpongeBob episodes that remind me of certain scenes in Attack on Titan. What this channel does, like the most recent video that I've seen, it's titled Did You Win? And it takes this scene of Gabby saving Kaya from Niall 
and puts it to the audio of I'm pretty sure it was the uh, the episode where Sandy Cheeks uh, in SpongeBob goes into hibernation, and then Patrick and SpongeBob like mess with her, and then she like goes into berserker mode, and it just works so well because Gabby is SpongeBob, Niall is the uh, ravenous Sandy, and then Kaya acts as Patrick. <laughs> just, <laughs> like we'll, we'll probably I'll sh- we'll share the uh, link in the Discord, but. They've made many SpongeBob uh, Attack on Titan memes, and I think this is probably one of my favorites. It was it was really good. Just it fits so well, like almost too well. <laughs> so yeah, definitely check that that video out because it's it's funny. It's well done. And just check out that whole channel again, YouTube uh, Monkey Chat or the YouTube channel Monkey Trouble because they have a plethora of these Attack on Titan SpongeBob memes, and they're they're great. So I think after this point in the show, we we transition to the big humans versus Titans showdown. And one of the first scenes we get are the, I think you said it's the the cadets turned Jaegerists panicking about a Titan coming to attack them. Mm -hmm. Specifically the one guy in the glasses who gets grabbed by the Titan. And none other than Shaddis, aka Potato Sergeant, swoops in, kills the Titan, and saves them. And also kind of whoops them into gear by saying, I didn't teach you to be fucking crybabies. I taught you to be scouts and to fight Titans. And he's like, there's still some old ODM gear left. Grab that. We're going to go fight some Titans. And I think this is also the group that beat up Shaddis on yeah. Flock's orders. So just go, Shaddis. Like, <laughs> let's fucking go. Tell these little, these little bitches what to do because they clearly don't know what the hell they're doing. This is another just full circle moment. Like Shad is fighting for these cadets, even though they turn their backs on him. So he is emerging as the better man. And there's a Twitter account called Attack on Titan Perfect Shots, which actually takes the screenshots of this moment. And it, yeah, I think it's a callback to a point in uh, season one where Levi is kind of standing in the same position, or Shadis is kind of standing in the same position that Levi is standing in, um, kind of looking like heroic with his, uh, what do you call it, the, the, the blades, and then turning back and looking at the scouts that they're, each of them are respectively saving. So that's just a nice, again, kind of hearkening back to old school Attack on Titan, um, like Mappa paying that homage. And I feel like what starts this old school feel of Attack on Titan in this episode is when Shadda says there's some old ODM gear still available. He could have just said there's still some ODM gear, but the fact that he says there's old ODM gear, because we know that in season four they're using the new version, I feel like that kind of was the signal to say, hey, the rest of what you're about to see just takes you back to season one Attack on Titan. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Um, I'm also going to praise John again here because he, he gets additional character development when he basically commands the entire situation yeah. and literally rallies the troops. Like, John led the charge here. And it's great to see this from a somewhat delinquent, overconfident character that we were originally. Sundere. Yeah, Sundere. Let's go, Sundere boys, um, that we were originally introduced to in season one. And now he's become someone who focuses on the greater good and his comrades. There's a reason John is one of my favorite characters in Attack on Titan. And so I was rooting for him the entire episode. It was just great to see him like really take the charge because it could have been Armin, right? It mm-hmm. could have been Armin who led the charge here or even Shadis, but it was John of all people and he did it so well. Although I think Armin was the one who dealt the killing blow to Pixies. 
Yeah, which I thought was was nice because I think I I read somewhere that Pixies was the um was the only one who believed Armin when yes. Aaron turned into a Titan. Yeah, and that's the only reason Aaron didn't get destroyed at that point was because Pixies believed in Armin and believed what he was saying about Aaron being the Titan. So there's another just full circle moment, like Armin finally resting Pixies to peace. R.I.P. And he like, says he thanks him before he right. does that. Like, oh man, it was heartbreaking. But... Like, a, like a, it's more of a mercy kill rather yeah. than like a brutal kill. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this whole sequence, like seeing the scouts flying around in, in old school ODM gear through the town, um, the horde of freaky titans running at them, all weird. You got like the one dude doing <laughs> yeah. like the finger guns and like bobbing his head back and forth. Mikasa slicing necks left and yeah, right like a true Ackerman. It was so nice to see her back in her prime, like doing what she does best as an Ackerman, which is flying around, slicing up titans using ODM gear. It just, again, it felt like season one Attack on Titan. It was great. It was so good. My only thing, though, is that the ODM gear part and just like the gracefulness and the, the spectacle that is scouts on o- flying around 3D maneuvering on ODM gear just wasn't as impressive as the way Wit Studio does it. Yeah. And I think they only did it for like two or three seconds. Yeah. Uh, compared to like... If- five to ten seconds that Wit Studios spent um, on their gorgeous like scouts flying through the air sequences. But instead here you have really impressive epic like explosions Mm -hmm. and like more of the action-packed moments against the Titans which is more of MAPPA's forte when it comes to attack on titan action scenes so you know they they paid um homage to the old stuff while still showcasing their new stuff and i think what makes this even more old school is the song that they use during this sequence it kind of feels a bit hammy but and viewing it through this kind of old school or quote-unquote nostalgic lens it kind of it it kind of fits in as well uh the song is called barricades by uh, one of the co-composers for the series now, uh, Hiroyuki Sawano. This was previously used, I believe, in one of the theatrical recap films for Attack on Titan, as well as a scene in season two. I think it's the arc where the scouts are rescuing Eren from being kidnapped by Reiner and Berthold. Um, it's used when Historia is riding on Emir's back when she's in Jaw Titan form. And I didn't realize that it was used before until you played a clip for me. And because I, I figured, like, is this a new song that they made? But it actually is a, a callback song. So that, yeah. that was nice. No, yeah. Because it, it sounded familiar. And that was the exact scene where it's from. And it has really interesting lyrics. Um, I was looking at, um, like, the chorus. We've got to learn to get back, get back. But is it worth the price of our soul? You know, you had to kill her, kill her. On my dirty, oh, my dirty hands, it never fades. What the fuck? (laughs) But then, like, the key line is, we'll live a life without barricades. And there are no barricades anymore, right? All the walls are are tumbling down. They have turned into wall titans. Um, The only only other thing I wanted to just, again, reiterate, which we talked about earlier, um, that kind of made this feel like season one again, I love that the flashbacks of Pixies were in Wit's original animation style. Mm-hmm. great choice mappa like just every time they, they do that i think it's just so awesome of them to do that they don't have to do it um it probably saves them money and time to oh, do yeah. it so there is a there is an roi factor there but also just i think fan appreciation is is a big part of that roi yeah just paying that respect again to what came before the only other note i have from this scene this is actually like a 
feel like there's a pop culture reference with one of the Titans that is attacking the scouts um, at the fortress. And people have been saying that this particular, there's a particular Titan. Well, it's not at the fortress. It's actually um, when Connie separates from the Levi squad and this, there's this Titan that appears um, to attack Leva, not Levi, um, Armin, Mikasa, and John uh, while they're on the rooftop. And people are saying that this Titan looks like Bob Odenkirk, the guy from, or I think he plays Saul Goodman in Breaking Bad or in the series Better Call Saul. We can probably share a link to this picture. It, it was a Twitter post. Um, you can share it on the Discord. And there's actually a December 2019 article from Screen Rant back when the manga chapter of this episode was based on was released. And it, I think it kind of provides insight as to why people think that this Titan looks like Bob Odenkirk. Uh, the article says that Hajime Isayama has already spoken publicly about his love of Western TV, including Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones. And the mangaka also confirmed that his design for Attack on Titans Falco Grease is based directly on Jesse Pinkman, who was famously played by Aaron Paul on Breaking Bad. So I have an inkling that even though I think the manga version of this shot, the Titan looks more like Bob Odenkirk, it, you can still kind of see elements of it um, in the anime version. Yeah, I I could see him doing that. It's just so random, like of all the things, better call Saul. Like. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's like, we talked about, uh, there's a, a Freddie Mercury Titan. Yeah, there is. That's so right. I feel like he's uh, Isayama's probably dropped a lot of these Easter egg and pop culture icons as a random Titan in the background of some of these scenes. That's fun. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely post a link to that because it's when you showed it to me, I was like, okay, I see it. Like when you look at it just as the Titan in the anime, you can't really see it. But when you compare it to the other pictures, it it I could see that being being what it is. Yeah. Uh, actually, before we move on to the next scene, I'm just looking at my notes here. One thing I wanted to bring up, this is going back to Nicolo's scene as he's talking with Kai and Gabby. He makes a reference back to Artur Braus, Mr. Braus's speech that he gave um, in the restaurant after finding out that it was Gabby who killed Sasha. Um, just to repeat that quote, um, Mr. Browse was saying the world was a colossal force where it was still about killing or being killed. Uh, we got to at least get the kids out of the forest. Um, so talking about how Sasha was part of this endless cycle of violence, and that's what led to her death. So he's not directly calling Gabby responsible for her death. It was just the circumstances in which they were involved in. And Niccolo refers back to that speech by saying that the only way that this conflict can get resolved is if they can get out of the forest. I love Niccolo. Yeah. <laughs> He's just so great. <laughs> and this is coming from a former soldier of Marley. Who went into this being technically kidnapped by Paradise and then like he wanted to hate on them for a long time until he met Sasha. <laughs> yeah. So best boy, Niccolo. Moving on. 
Moving on to the the final scene of the episode, um, it starts off with John looking out into the distance at the colossal titans, which are still coming. They're still walking. I thought by now they probably would have been far enough away, but they're still walking through town. Because I think they're from the inner, inner walls, walls, like yeah. uh, Rose and Cena. Yeah, yeah. And um, Onion Coupon is talking to John, and he's asking about like, will my home country be destroyed? And like, what did Aaron say? And I'm like, that's right. He's not a fucking Eldian. He didn't get the conference mm-hmm. call. He wasn't added by by Aaron. Um, neither was Yelena. And Magath wouldn't have been pulled into it either. So there mm-hmm. there are still characters like N- Niccolo either. I think he's probably standing there. Like I imagine Niccolo standing with the oh, Browse right. family. And everyone starts freaking out. And he's all like, what? What's going on? Because <laughs> when they're walking through the town earlier after Gabby saves them, the two um, Jaegerists up top are asking, like, did you guys get the call as well? And everyone's like, yeah, me too, me too. And Niccolo's probably like, no. What, ta- what are you talking about? <laughs> it wants to be part of the talk of the town. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, Onion Coupon is asking, like, is my, my home country doomed as well? And then, lo and behold, Flock fucking shows up, and Jean gives the best sass. Oh, God. He just looks at Flock, and he's like, you lived? I'm like, yes, let's go, <laughs> Jean. You're just, you're killing it this episode. But then Flock has this fucking smug look on his face. That little shit. Every time he shows up on screen, he just looks like a little bitch. You just want to slap mm-hmm. him in the face. Here's no exception. Like, he's got this smug-ass look on his face, and then he goes and arrests Yelena and the other... Uh, the other anti-marlian volunteers yeah yeah and i'm like well it's fine if you want to arrest yelena she's fucking crazy but leave leave onion coupon out of it okay he's fine yeah i don't know why flock is still around like fuck this bitch and the click that he claims he's like that annoying fly <laughs> that just like won't go away no matter how many times you try to swat at him he's just constantly buzzing around that, that's what flock is at this point um speaking of yelena she has like this just this like horrified look on her face the entire episode and when she sees the pure titans earlier in the episode, she says, if Z created these titans, why isn't he commanding them to not attack us? And this is pretty much her thinking like, oh, shit, is Zeke dead? And I think that's why she just looks so defeated and so mortified because the person that she reveres alongside Aaron could possibly be gone. And that just brings up what the hell happened to Zeke. Yeah. Now we've got Levi and Zeke missing in action. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, although if I remember, Zeke, I think, was transformed alongside Aaron when Aaron got into his founding titan form. But I don't Does that mean, like, Zeke is just hanging off one of the bones of Aaron's founding titan? Like, <laughs> well, just dangling there? he is a monkey titan, so <laughs> he probably could. <laughs> but yeah, Yelena just got, or got her just desserts. yeah. Um, so then Mikasa and Armin are brought downstairs and they see Gabby and they have some exchanges with Gabby that we've kind of already touched on. But the one thing that really kind of resonated with me in this exchange is Gabby basically begging Armin to talk to Aaron. So you and I talked about this, I think in one of our car rides recently, we were going somewhere and we were chatting about this episode about how Aaron just has not been on screen. And when he is... Mm -hmm. With the exception of the last like two or three episodes, he generally does not have very many lines. He doesn't say much anymore. And I think this is intentional. I think that Isayama is intentionally making Aaron seem and feel distant, both literally and figuratively, because characters like Gabby in this episode keep asking Armin and Mikasa why Aaron is doing all this. What are his intentions? Can you guys talk to him? But because they've been so distant from him, 
they can't give any answers. Like Armin says, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, Gabby. Even despite being his best friends, they still cannot give any answers. Like it's intentional distance that Isayama is placing between Aaron and Mikasa and Armin, but also Aaron and us as the audience. Um, not giving him a lot of screen time, not giving him any lines, not giving him any interactions because he needs to shroud Aaron in mystery at this point. Like this is Aaron's will. He wants to be distant from his friends for a reason that we still don't know at this point. So Isayama can't give us as the viewers like special special treatment into Aaron's mind. We also have to feel what Mikasa and Armin are feeling at this point. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's interesting because like the last time that Mikasa and Armin talked to Aaron, well, I think was in the restaurant and Gabby was present. Oh yeah. <laughs> and we saw that conversation kind of lead nowhere. So it makes you wonder if Armin were to try to talk to Aaron again, would that still be as fruitless as that initial conversation? Yeah. Although last episode we said, you know, what if he just changes into, into his colossal and kind of sneaks his way into the rumbling line <laughs> and like slowly makes his way up to Aaron? Like, right. would, it, would anyone notice? Is it just another colossal here? <laughs> Although his does look different than the rest of them. Yeah. And I think Gabby brought up a good point. Like, why doesn't Aaron just turn everyone back into humans that have been turned into titans and like why hasn't he done anything about the pure titans that were running rampant in this district so that's a good question you'd assume he could do that and i think armin also assumes he can do that mm -hmm. but armin's like maybe i was wrong because if he could change them back why wouldn't he change all of our comrades back that zeke changed with his scream so now i think armin's doubting if 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 the founding titan even allows aaron to to do that Hmm. Or if Aaron was just so one-tracked about starting the rumbling that he didn't even give those other things an afterthought. True. Yeah, true. Um, and then as far as like destroying the military bases, I mean, would that really solve the problem? No. No. Like, I don't think that would solve the problem. And I think that Aaron knows that. I think Armin knows that too. That's probably why he didn't really address her question. Like, that would not solve anything. I mean, even putting parodies, like behind walls you think like no one would even want to touch them but yet here we are <laughs> look at where we are now that's what carl fritz thought like if i just put everyone behind the walls everyone will be safe and and if we renounce war no one will bother us well look at us no. now four seasons later <laughs> and then finally in this exchange probably the most important part of this episode because it's where the fucking title comes from although i knew they were gonna make it a cliffhanger i knew mm -hmm. like as soon as i saw the title i'm like andy's back Duh, obviously. What else could Thaw mean, right? But I also knew because they've done this before in the first part of season four, they were going to leave her reveal to the very fucking end so that technically it plays into the title of the episode. Right. But you're not actually getting any content around it until next episode. Um, Annie's back, right? Gabby says uh, Aaron undid all the hardening, including um, Reiner's uh, armored Titan armor. And Armin's like, oh my God, wait a minute. Andy's back. My girlfriend's back. Yeah, Armin, your girlfriend is back. <laughs> so I'm just thinking, Aaron may have undone all the hardening, but he can't unharden Armin's hard-on for Annie hey, now that he knows yo. his girlfriend is back. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm curious to see what Annie's reaction to the entire situation is going to be. Those have been the best memes. Yeah. The best memes right now. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking to the, the meme where it's like, are you winning, son? And it's like the dad that comes into the room and something unexpected is going on. <laughs> That's what's happening. Or just here. like, 
Annie walking into a complete dumpster fire, just like all around <laughs> her. She's like, "What's what's happening?" Like Bertolt's dead. Reiner tried to kill himself. <laughs> like who else is dead? Uh, uh, Porco's dead. He like just died. <laughs> like all these things happening around her, where she's like, Zeke betrayed them. Just like naming mm-hmm. everything, right? Um, your dad's still alive, I guess. We found that out earlier this episode. Yeah, it's gonna be a huge culture shock to her yeah and i asked this question i think to you after we watched the episode why is she all wet is her hardening ability ice because in the op as well when she breathes she has um like you can see her breath as if it's very cold around her so i'm wondering if the female titan's hardening ability actually hardens into ice kind of like how the armored titan technically is hardening into armor not a crystal like i think there's different types of hardening because the colossal titans hardened into the walls um but aaron seems to have like an actual crystal type of hardening like it doesn't seem like it's ice it seems like it's actually crystal oh maybe it was just really sweaty inside the crystal that's true (laughs) i don't know but it seems like it's like some sort of ice thing i mean she's an ice queen so i could see that being the case um so yeah, I don't know. The, Annie's back. I don't. I don't know what to think of that. Like, if Falco, I, I said in the last episode that if anything would wake Annie up from the crystal, it would be Aaron's fucking conference call. But then I thought about it, and I'm like, well, during that conference call, Falco was passed out the whole time, so I could see Annie sleeping through it. Wait. So if the unhardening happened as soon as the walls came tumbling down, Annie's just been lying on the floor for at least twenty minutes. <laughs> right. oh wait so then she would have been called into the conference call and awake during it yeah yeah because it was hardening it was undue hardening first which brought the walls down and then the conference call happened so yeah technically annie would have been awake so she could have i mean that would have literally been what she woke up to she unhardens and then suddenly she's pulled into paths mm-hmm. and here's this like aaron yeager voice he's like he's still here like what a thing <laughs> what a thing to fucking wake up to how wild is that right like not mm-hmm. just waking up on the ground after like how many years, but actually waking up to being in paths with other Eldians around you, hearing Aaron Yeager's voice and him telling everyone he's going to fucking destroy the world. Welcome back, Annie. <laughs> yeah. If you remember when she hardened into the crystal, the last thing that happened was uh, Aaron trying to devour her from her female Titan form. Then she breaks out of this, what, like four or five years later. And Aaron is now intent on destroying the world like what happened yeah i saw a post on reddit by someone named silent underscore shadow zero five where they wrote it's been eight years four months and 15 days since we last saw annie active in the current timeline that's crazy man eight and a half like almost eight and a half years since she's been active i graduated college and had like two (laughs) or three jobs since (laughs) annie was last in the crystal but in in um attack on titan timeline it's been four yeah years five years yeah about four or five because the time no well the time skip was four years so but she hardened way before that it's like four five maybe six years yeah something like that i don't know Oh, God. Well, well, she's um, back, and I cannot fucking wait for the next episode. Yeah. I'm looking at the um, AOT wiki article for Annie. It says, for the first time in four years, Annie's eyes open, and her body begins coughing up liquid. Oh, okay. So it was four years. Um, What is the title of the next episode? I can't remember. Sunset. Oh, okay. I don't know what... Like, Thaw is very spoilery. Sunset, I have no fucking idea what that could be. So it's great. I'm glad that we don't know um what the next episode could be about but with that said 
Shall we go into the preview? Yes, sir. So we just see people arguing, it looks like. But then we do get a shot of, I think it's Hitch um, mm-hmm. running over to Annie. And I recall that Hitch Hitch's job is to watch over Annie's crystal. Because when Armin used to visit her, um, she would be standing right there while he's talking to his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Giving um, her flower, laying flowers yeah. at her crystal. <laughs> And I think you mentioned this to me. Hitch was uh, Annie's roommate when they were both in the inner wall for the royal police or whatever. Yeah, I'm kind of glad that we watched the OVA right before watching this episode or before watching part two of this season because it reminded us of who Hitch was. And yeah, it Hitch was Annie's former roomie. And so seeing her like push Annie up against the wall, like... She's probably asking her for the rent money she owes. Yeah, <laughs> for four, the past four or five years. I love the, that the first image we get though is Annie's ring is open with like this the little pricky thing sticking out. Oh right, yeah. Um, just as a nice reminder, like she can turn into a titan like the moment she wants to. <laughs> like she's back, but she could also turn into a titan. Although I, I'm guessing they probably have her crystal like far underground because she's in mm. the prison area. I think. Um, which is likely far underground. So if she turns into a titan, she's fucked. Yeah. Another thing I noticed in this preview is that a body has hit the floor as the get the as we get a shot of the anti Marlian volunteers looking in horror. It makes me wonder whose body is it that they're looking at. Oh. Do you remember this shot? No. <laughs> they flash those images so fast it's and like, I'm like Ugh. Yeah, it's blurred out so you can't tell. But what I noted is that Yelena doesn't seem to be present amongst that group of anti-Marlian volunteers. Ooh, Yelena death? I don't know. Oh, I mean, I want Onion Coupon to kill her. So. <laughs> <laughs> She's Probably crazy. Be that fuck boy flock. <laughs> She's a wild card, man. She's a loose cannon. Like, Onion Coupon just needs to, like, beat someone up. Like, the poor guy's been through so much. Yeah, He's trying home- to keep it all together. <laughs> his homeland's about to get ravaged. Yeah, and it's Yelena's fault, kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm so fucking excited. I think the, the excitement that I felt for the two brothers episode is what I'm feeling for this next one sunset, just because again, like sunset tells us absolutely nothing. Although I'm sure it'll be a big, a big part of the episode when, whenever we get to see it. Um, but I, I just, I'm so excited for Annie. Like I just need, I need Armin and Annie to have a conversation. Like He's had a crush on her forever, even before he ate Bertolt. Okay, Aaron, I know that you're saying <laughs> that he likes Annie because of Bertolt, but this was before that. I'm pretty sure when they were cadets or whatever. So yeah, I need this to happen. I need I need them to reunite. <laughs> you think that what you think that first date's gonna be like? Like, oh, so what's new with you? <laughs> um, oh, nothing. Just you know, I ate Bertolt and I'm the colossal <laughs> Titan now, right? Wasn't she hardened during that? Yeah, she doesn't know anything about what happened with Bertolt. And but she knew Bertolt had a crush on her, right? I I don't remember. Hmm. Well, uh, they were very good friends, so or at least close comrades. So yeah, Armin's gonna be like, so I I like you, but also I ate Bertolt. <laughs> <laughs> I am the colossal titan now. So I don't know. That's gonna be an interesting conversation. And so that leads us into our final thoughts for Attack on Titan: The Final Season, Episode Eighty One, Thaw. So how many Titan diamonds aren't forever out of ten? Would you give this episode? I would give it an 8 out of 10. Um, I thought it was great. It had some amazing callbacks, especially for those of us who 
you know, watch Attack on Titan when it first premiered in 2013 with season one. Um, but it also kind of just felt very contained and not as like it, it didn't have me on the edge of my seat the way that every other episode in part two has so far. But that's okay, because like you said earlier, we do need a breather. Like, we just needed something that brought us back to our Attack on Titan roots, and this was that episode. So an 8 out of 10 is still a solid episode. It's very, very good, and I really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, I, I think that that's that's the score that I am going with for this one. What about you? Yeah, I would give it a similar score, um, 8.5 out of 10. I think this episode's title was a dictease. Or I guess like a boner breaker if we're going along with the A whole, hardening breaker. Yeah, or the unhardening theme since Annie only appears at the episode's climax. And I'm assuming that's what is thawing in this episode. R means climax. Sorry, oh I just, my <laughs> these <God>. jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, the intensity that we've experienced for I think the past three episodes, episodes it dies down only a little bit here, but it was still a compelling episode to watch i know that it focuses a lot more on again the whoever's left in uh shiganshina district kind of picking up the pieces of like the aftermath of the rumbling coming about and like the smaller ramifications of what that event has caused as it's affecting these inhabitants of parodies and how that will kind of affect their choices and their alliances moving forward um, other than that, it was just a great return to old school Attack on Titan action while bringing a lot of full circle moments and a lot of closure to character arcs like those of Gabby's or Kaya's and especially Pixis. Got to pour one out for our boy R.I.P. since he liked to drink a lot. <laughs> <laughs> since he was a raging so everyone, alcoholic. Yeah, everyone raise their glasses for Commander Pikachu. Well, join us, everyone. Please join us next week for our next attack on titan review episode again it will be one day late it will be premiering thursday february 24th thank you for bearing with us as we are a bit delayed on that um, as we travel to see some family but we cannot wait to talk about annie it is going to be so good so good and thank you as always for joining us we love you guys and uh that wraps up this special episode of strictly anime if you enjoyed the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly Series and subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every Monday and when new Attack on Titan episodes are released every Wednesday, except for the next one, which will be released on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Join our Discord to continue the conversation. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series. And check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com, where you'll also find more info on Strictly JoJo, our other podcast dedicated to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. Sasageo. Shinzo wo sasageo. And here you okay?